You're listening to Faith and Fostering, the podcast where people of faith chat about foster care in the Australian context to encourage, edify and educate others along the journey. Hi and welcome to another episode of Faith and Fostering. We have um, Terry, myself, with you today as our host and we are chatting to the lovely Kirsty from South Australia. I think it always helps to know what state you're in when we start talking about different regulations and rules. How are you this morning, Kirsty? I'm well, thank you, and I um, feel honoured to be uh, invited along. Fantastic. Well, I actually um, got invited into your community even before we started fostering. I know that you um, were uh, an initiator of a, a Facebook group for carers and um, and Christian carers, and it's been a really great benefit to my family on our journey into foster care and so I thought oh mm-hmm. it'd be great to chat to somebody <laughs> who's been proactive in that space as well and obviously been on the journey and and started to look at ways of supporting other carers but I thought we could start today just by you know how you found yourself in the space of foster care and what your family looks like at the moment. Yep um, so for me I think Fostering is something that's always been within me. It's, mm-hmm. um, I feel like it's that itch that had to be scratched. And I was very briefly involved in New South Wales in foster care um, when I was just in my early 20s and I, had, um, I was looking after teens and just very brief kind of stays. I was working full-time but this was just something that I kind of had always wanted to do and so looked into it and there was a spot for me to do that there. Oh, wow. Um, then moved to South Australia and my husband and I had talked about fostering and we got as far as a first information meeting. Then I got pregnant with our first child and that kind of just put everything on hold. Um, so it was kind of back in 1992, which seems like forever ago. <laughs> but um, we then sort of spent, look, the next, what is it, 20 years gosh, raising family, renovating houses, um, doing what you do with family. And it was around 2010 that one of our, that our kids started challenging us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, look, I don't, I really don't remember a lot of those raising children years. I just feel like it's all a bit of a blur now. <laughs> but um, somewhere we must have talked about foster care and potentially doing foster care and so one of the kids was at the library and picked up a brochure and said hey we keep talking about this maybe we should do something about it so that started that whole conversation again Uh, I think I was the one that was the most keen but my husband was certainly keen and and you know happy to support that Um, and so we were registered at the beginning of 2012 Mm-hmm. And at that stage, our biological children were 19, 17, 13 and 10. Okay. Um, they are now all all young adults um, and we actually have three grandchildren. <laughs> and, wow. yeah, so three of our four are married and one is um, in a long-term relationship. And, yeah, so wow. that's kind of – so we've also now broadened that family. We've got in-laws and, you know, all the added, the added extras in the family, which is awesome. Very good. And so who was still at home of your biological children when you got your first um, child into your home from out of They care? all were. Oh, they were all, all of still them home. were. Okay. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, I didn't mention in the very bottom of that lineup. That's our biological children, and then we do have a seven-year-old who is our. Um, now we are her legal guardians. We we um, in South Australia are different names, different states, but long-term guardianship was granted um, to us of her last year. Okay. So so she brings wow. up she rounds up five <laughs> five kids and yeah. um, and she's a great addition to our family. So how old was she when she came to you, Kirsty? She was. Uh, five months old. Wow. So she so she came as an emergency um, placement. Yeah. She stayed and stayed and the, um, she was going to be reunified with her dad yep. and we were supporting that and working towards that and then that kind of all changed direction and the department came and offered her to us first knowing yep. that we, you know, weren't really sure um, what we would do. And so we asked them if we could how long we had to think about how before we had to give them an answer, and they said, mm, "Can you do it in a week?" And we said, "Sure." Oh, wow. And so we went out. We actually, my husband was away from work when I had that meeting and conversation with them, and so I kind of brought him into the picture that night. And then we just decided that we were going to go away and pray about it, think about it, and not even talk about it until the night before we had to make the decision. And that's kind of what we did. And my prayer during that week was that we would be on the same page uh, Mm -hmm. that no matter the answer, because I could see pros and cons of it. Um, It was the day before I turned 50, so it was like I'm kind of ready for this next stage of life. Our um, youngest biological child was just, I think he was year 11 or year 12, so we were almost out and it was like, yeah, hmm. But um, when we kind of came together and talked about it, we really both, the words that he had were the words that had been going through my head all, all week and that was that this is what we do and we both couldn't find a good reason to say no. Yeah. Um, so she joined our family and she wow. is um, she's the daughter we never knew we needed and she is uh, amazing in so many ways. So, yeah. And for your children who are all keen um, to go into that space, how did they all adjust having a new baby in the house? Well, she she wasn't our first placement. We okay. actually had so we came into fostering with the plan to have a long term child. Okay. That was that was kind of you know that was what we thought we were coming in for, which was not what we were coming in for at all. <laughs> but, it's always um, different, isn't it? No matter it's what. always different. So we were with an agency where we were planning to take a very high needs therapeutic child who needed intensive um, work. And we had our first placement and that lasted 12 days, which is wow. kind of like you feel at that point you go, wow, I've really failed at this. Didn't even last, you know, <laughs> didn't last long. But she was she was um, quite, quite um, a special individual and had some very, very complex needs. So then we switched agencies. We, came, we kind of sat there for a while with this agency and there were no long-term placements coming up. South Australia works very differently to many other states. The department yeah. holds all the children and we, the agencies are really there for us to support us. So we did a bit of respite. We kind of did various bits and pieces and then we thought, well, we came into this for a long-term child. So that's not happening in this agency because of funding reasons. So then we moved agencies and we moved to more of a generalist agency thinking, well, maybe we could stretch out and take two children if their needs were lower. Um, So that was kind of our plan. 
The story goes that the day that I rang the agency we wanted to transfer to, the there was the intake person on the on the other phone in the same room as the person I was talking to, and they were eyeballing each other and going. One of them was talking to someone about a placement. This other person was talking to us about a placement and whether it was whether it was just amazing that this kind of aligned and that these were perhaps um, these two little girls that we were meant to bring into our house. And then without telling you the name, but when we eventually found out the name, one of the children's names was a name that we had always wanted a child by that name. Oh, wow. So there, for us there was... Um, that was confirmation that they yeah. were meant to be with us. So then we thought, okay, so now we're having two long children for the rest of time and that story didn't go to plan either. Um, the eldest one was with us for three and a half years. The youngest one was with us for six and a half years and um, those placements ultimately broke down. Hmm. Um, and then in amongst all that we picked up emergency babies and started doing that. We felt, again, that was never something I was going to do. I was like, no, can't love someone's child, can't love a child for a short time and then send them out. I thought this is going to be too heartbreaking. And, um, and again, God challenged me with that and challenged us as a family with that. There was a very high need for um, baby carers at this particular time. I kind of thought, okay, I'll be obedient. I'll say yes, but <laughs> knowing that everybody else in the family had to agree. And then when I presented it to them, they were all like, yeah, of course, of course we're going to do this. And there was a part of me that was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) And then then I thought, that's all right. Our agency will say no because we've got these two girls still and they're pretty full on and they'll say no. And my worker just said to me, oh, that is amazing. She said, yes, yes, you guys would be awesome. (laughs) So so then it was the department psych wanted to have a meeting because, again, these girls were quite complex and – and when we presented the reasons around why we thought going into babies was good, we had this idea that showing nurture to these little girls might have actually helped them to understand what attachment and nurture looked like because they were very, very, um, they'd come from a very rough background and they had real issues with attachment and attachment disorder. And yeah. So the psych kind of, we sat around this table and the psych basically gave permission, so that was it. And um, wow. we were thrown into this whole world of babies coming and going from the house and I have to say that you know when people now say oh I don't know how you do it I couldn't give them away I just there is just I know that this is what we've been built to do I know this is what God has made us to do because um it's not easy but I also am not like a blubbering heap every time one leaves. I know that the work we do is so important because they come to us generally straight from removal and we do a lot of that investigative work and um, medical appointments and working out what's happened, bits and pieces of the children's story. But we also know we can't keep every single one of them and so it's actually such a joy then to be able to hand them over to families who you know, perhaps it's their, I mean, we've recently handed over two little ones and one of them went to a family. It's their very first child. They've struggled for years to have children. They've Mm. been through every process possible. And to just be able to hand this little baby over was so beautiful for us. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's incredible. um, It's a bit of a journey and it certainly wasn't the one we planned, but we're pretty certain this is the one we were meant to be on. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's Um, very true. Yeah, so our children, as you said, how have they adapted? I think at the time 
they, I think at the time we were all hit fair in the face, to be honest. Like mm. it was, it was full on. Um, and to suddenly go from having a family that's, you know, reasonably calm and reasonably kind of ticking along reasonably well and to suddenly let trauma into your house and that chaos is, is massive. Um, we did our best to try and keep our kids levelled, make sure we were meeting their needs, all of that, but I also have to say that, you know, there came points in their lives where there was fallout from having such intense trauma in the house. Um, the one thing for us is that we've always tried to be really open with our kids and talk about stuff and say to them, come back and talk to us. And um, one of our young adult children is, is um, we're in that process now of working through some of that some of that stuff because um, yeah. it does have a profound effect on your own children. Yes, yes, it does. And, I mean, there's so many places that I can dive in, Kirsty. even just <laughs> listening to you unpack some of that. I'm like, oh, where do we want to go in? But um, I, w- I will just go here and then we can kind of backtrack again because I think there's a lot in that story. Um, but, you know, for your child or your adult child now who's processing some of that, would you ever look back and go, well, that would have been a reason not to go in? Like if you could see if somebody had said to you, this is where things are going to go, do you think that would change, you know, why you stepped in and why you felt you should step in? Um, that's that's a really good question because I think I've asked myself that question many times. Uh, and there were some moments where I actually said I regretted putting our children through that. Mm-hmm. And that's me being really honest about that. Absolutely, like, and I it's think we never, should. Yeah, it's never a good thing as a mum to think that you've put your own um, biological children through something that potentially has has caused them, you know, some trauma of their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, though, I said to I've said to our child working through this is that at the time we believed this was exactly where God wanted us we still believe we're within that and we and we likened it with him we said that it's there are children whose parents become missionaries and they head overseas and those children don't necessarily sign up for that you know Absolutely. this is family this is family and you don't necessarily uh, take that on board but those children that's what that's the life that they're that they move into and so I think that we've tried to explain that in a way that as adults God calls us to do things and that's going to have impact I think for us what's been really important is how we've handled that impact yes um, and yes there are times that I regretted that but then at this particular moment I can't see the full story I can't yeah. see the the great big picture. And I remember someone telling me when I was um, very a very young Christian that my they gave me this analogy of like being on a um, train platform. And when I'm standing on a train platform waiting for the train to come, I can see that train, you know, just coming, and it and it arrives at the station, and then it keeps going. But they said God's kind of right up above all of that, and God can see that train coming like the, the entire journey of that train. And so I can't I can't see yet and maybe we'll never see um, the, the things that have come out of that. What I do know is that that child that is struggling 
that is kind of processing all of this mm-hmm. at the moment is also um, out in the Aboriginal lands working as a teacher with his wife and, you know, go and he has this absolute pure heart for vulnerable children and for children in, in need. And, and so, you know, and we have another daughter who ended up in Haiti serving, went to Haiti for a year and worked with wow. vulnerable babies um, in Haiti. And so, yeah. you know, um, yes, it like I, I can't, like I'm not God. I can't yes. kind of see how their lives would have been different if we didn't foster. Yeah. But if I'm honest, yes, there were moments where I absolutely regretted putting our entire family through some of the chaos and trauma that we've been through. But it's also made us all different people. Yeah, it is interesting and I like how you likened it to being on on, on the mission field or on mission. Mm-hmm. I think particularly for believers, if we can look at this area of service as a mission field, that helps us put some things in place yeah. in terms of expectations and perspectives and how we navigate it. Like even if you think of a missionary um how they plan, you know, taking furlough, all the supports that mm-hmm. they need. Um, and I, I kind of feel like our faith walk in many ways is that, like if we are able to live on mission every day in our context that we're in, whether that be, you know, intercultural or in the foster care system, like whatever it is, I see many overlays um, in faith in the area of out-of-home care and, say, being in a, you know, a different kind of context because it grows things in us. It helps us understand things that we may not have understood yes. without stepping in. And, yes, we you wrestle with sacrifice and struggle and yeah. all those things so much more deeply um, than for many Western Christians. Like we all struggle. I mean, we all have life challenges. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that you completely avoid that even if you live in the West, but um, it is inviting another layer of challenge into your life because of your faith. Um, I know that some people step into this space without any kind of faith, um, you know, whatever, like catalyst um, to step in. But I know for people who step in because they believe that Jesus has called us to look after the orphan and the vulnerable, you have another way of looking at things. And so, yeah, I really appreciate um, your answer. And I think it's, you know, lived out um, through your family. And I, and I think that's the real, the real stuff that we get to talk about here, that, no, it isn't easy. Yes, there is a cost. Yes, there are times we wish we could, you know, just go back and not yes. have it be that way. But <laughs> but there's always a but, but God, he redeems it and he uses it. And yeah. we don't all get this, you know, the bow and the nice kind of understanding at the end, but you kind of end up a little bit at that place like Job where you're like, I don't understand, but you are God and I can trust yeah. you regardless. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that is really encouraging. Yeah. I think too that view of mission um, is perhaps why, doing emergency babies for us, it's not easy, but I think it's why we're able to hand them over when their Mm. time is done with us. Because I look at every child that comes into our house as, you know, sometimes we'll wait for a placement and I kind of just go, oh, God's just waiting for that right one, the one that needs to be here, the one that we need. Every single baby that comes into this house, and we've now had, you know, quite a lot of babies, um, but every single one I learn something new. I learned something new about myself. I learned something new about mm. trauma. I learned something new about um, children and people. And so I think 
then I kind of feel like there is this is a moment in time that I'm with this child and then um, my time is done. I've done what I need to. That's my little part of mission with that one. Move that one on and then the next one comes and start again. Yeah. And take breaks in between. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, definitely need those. I just wanted to um, ask you next, you know, what has surprised you about this journey of foster care? (laughs) Um, I was thinking about that question last night and the only answer I can give you is everything. Everything (laughs) has surprised me. I, I don't think that, I think to be honest, we were completely unprepared for this mm-hmm. space and I had no idea how hard it was going to be, how heartbreaking it was going to be, how all-consuming it was going to be, but also at the same time how rewarding and how amazing um, it's been, and, you know. And so I think uh, I think as I was talking about a bit earlier, we we came into foster care with an idea of what we what we had the things that we had planned in our head with this idea of like this is this is what we want to do with our foster journey um and we have seen that that that's ended up nothing like we planned and so even that was surprising um and I think that you know the way that God has kind of maneuvered us. I think if God had have said to me right if he had have made it really clear to us right at the very beginning of our journey that this is what I want you to do, I probably would have gone, yeah, no, no thanks. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? No, no, we'll, we'll not even bother. We'll just, we'll just go on with our lives over here. Uh, and so I think that I look at the journey we've taken and I think that God has orchestrated. There have been moments in in our story where he's orchestrated and and manoeuvred things the way that to where he wants them. And, yeah. and so... Surprising for me is ultimately that it's nothing like I'd ever imagined it was going to be. And and really where we've ended up now is not where, that wasn't where we were going. We hope you enjoyed part one of this Faith in Fostering podcast. You can tune in for part two next week. And in the meantime, let's remember every child deserves a family. <laughs>